All right, um, we are here today for the discipleship class. And today we are going to, I'm Karen Lewis, and we're going to be studying from Testimonies for the Church, volume one. And today we're going to be um, reviewing chapter 62, Family Religion. We're going to, I'm Karen Lewis, Ooh. and we're going to be, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me do a little bit of housekeeping first so that I can... Um, get some share share some things and so and I encourage you guys too to share it on your pages that you have and um all right and uh we're gonna go ahead and get started with a word of prayer uh Lee would you give us a word of prayer please okay <clears throat> dear father we thank you once again for a beautiful and blessed sabbath day we Thank you for a wonderful service this morning where we praised and worshiped your name. We ask that you'll continue to be with us through your Holy Spirit's presence as we study the words of your prophet, dear Lord. Bless us with knowledge and wisdom to know what thus saith the Lord and to follow accordingly where you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, let's, we're, like I said, we are going to be studying from chapter 62 of Testimonies for the Church today. And it's dealing with family religion. And let me pull it back up here. And um, this was interesting to me. This chapter was interesting to me because it was talking about um, basically how to confess Christ before the world. And um, we know that if we confess Christ, that... Um, he is not ashamed of us, so to speak. And confessing Christ means, I think, basically, we're not ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of us, and he will confess us to the Father. So uh, in the first paragraph, uh, down at the bottom, uh, near the bottom, it says that um, the reward is not given to all who profess to be followers of Christ, but to those who overcome, even as he overcame. And we must on, study which chapter are you on, Karen? Chapter 62, Family Religion. Uh, okay. And uh, it says, we must study the life of Christ and learn what it is to confess him before the world. And then beginning of the next uh, paragraph, it says, in order to confess Christ, we must have him to confess. No one can truly confess Christ unless the mind and spirit of Christ are in him. And it goes on to say that a form of godliness, in other words, we, we say that we're Christians, is not enough. Um, and if we, if, if we went by that definition, it says broad is the way that leadeth unto life. And many there be that find it. But we know that that's not what the scripture says, is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it says in that same paragraph, it says the fruits of the spirit manifested in the life are a confession of him. What is what are the fruits of the spirit, Lee? Love, joy, uh, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentle, meekness, faith, and temperance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we live with we may be <laughs> one of those that that says we're Christians. But then we don't exhibit the fruits of the spirit in our daily walk mm -hmm. or or yes. or or we're guilty of what we say. Some people who 
say they believe, but they don't believe in all the commandments. And so they'll leave out one or two of them and say, yeah, but we believe and we're commandment keeping people. You know, it's like thing. it says it is possible with our lips to confess Christ, which a lot of people do. And they say, if you ask everybody, do they believe in God? 80 or 90 percent of people say yes. But then it says in our works, we deny them. So then uh, by the same token, if you ask how many people actually study the scriptures, how many people actually attend church regularly, then the numbers really drop off. Right. It's easy to say to uh, say one thing and then not follow it. Mm -hmm. I have a question, too. Here's a a statement is right down to uh, right next to where you was at, where it says broad is the way that leads to life. It says we must understand what it is to confess Christ and where we deny him. And so I wrote a question concerning that. And it is, does this mean we have to identify where we are lacking spiritually? Is she saying we need to know where we are lacking spiritually when she says where we deny him? Well, I think that that's a part of it, you know, because sometimes we don't know. But here's the thing, Lakita, if we are truly searching for truth, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Reveal it to us. Right. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. Right. Absolutely. I had a friend that visited our church years back when we were still at Ebenezer. And um, that particular day, Elder Brown was up teaching Sabbath school. And the Sabbath school lesson was dealing with Michael, the archangel. Uh And... Um, so she told me later, she said, well, I came because I thought, what if you, what if my church, the Adventist church really does have the truth? She said, but then when I heard him talking about Michael, the archangel, I knew that you all didn't have the truth because you all believe that, that there's another son of God besides Jesus. Mm. (laughs) You know? And so I tried to explain to her who Michael was, but she just, she, she had gotten in her mind that, that we were some kind of cult that believed there was another son of God and she wouldn't let go of it. And she doesn't let go of it to this day. And so people um, tend to either affirm or discount what they already believe sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the Sabbath school lesson was saying this morning, we come with preconceived ideas and beliefs as to what the Bible says. Then when Absolutely. we read something, you know, we study it. And when we read things, we look for those which uh, go along with what we already believe instead Absolutely. of taking it for his word and saying, Hey, maybe I'm not believing this right. Which like Lakita's question, we have to know what it is to obey Christ and what it is to what we're doing that is not obedient to him. Or what mm-hmm. is not according to his word. Right, right. Which requires yeah. us to sit in self-reflection. At some point, we have to stop and think about where we're doing and um, where are we in this Christian walk, you know? Right, right, right. Absolutely. And the hard part is, while doing that, we have to be honest with ourselves. It makes no sense to lie to yourself. <laughs> you can't really lie to yourself because... You're the one who has to think of the lie and you're the one who's saying, oh, I got to think of a lie to tell myself. So I'm going to say this. So you can't lie to yourself. But isn't that but part of, isn't that, isn't that one of the sins of the last days that uh, we are we are self-deceived? Yeah. And believe in a lie. 
And it does, it takes a lot of courage to admit that, you know, I'm wrong, you know, with what I'm doing or what I'm believing. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't want to ever admit that they're wrong. And that's true. That to, is so true. We have to surrender. Hey, uh, Karen, did we mm-hmm. um, speak to those out there who are uh, like on the church's website and just on Facebook watching? No, we uh, we haven't. So we want to say welcome to everyone that is watching either on Facebook or YouTube. Um, thank you for joining us in the class today. Thank you for that, Lakita. <laughs> and uh, if you're on Facebook, you can certainly uh, comment. Um, and if even if you're on YouTube, you can also comment if you're not, if you haven't joined us live into the Zoom program participation. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that was it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. And it, it continues to say that, um, it, well, I'll just read that part again in the middle of that second paragraph. It says, the fruits of the spirit manifested in the life are a confession of him. If we have forsaken all for Christ, our lives will be humble, our conversation heavenly, our conduct blameless. The powerful purifying influence of truth in the soul and the character of Christ exemplified in the life are a confession of him. If the words of eternal life are sown in our hearts, the fruit is righteousness and peace. Now that's mm-hmm. saying a lot. That's saying a whole lot. First of all, you know, when you think about the fruits of the spirit, um, how easy is it every single day to exemplify the fruits of the spirit? How would you say how easy is it? How easy or how difficult is it every single day to exemplify the fruits of the spirit? Well, it's easy if we allow the Holy Spirit. We can't exemplify nothing because you say it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not anything that we can really do. But the what, what our part is, is to um, open our hearts and submit ourselves each day to the uh, Holy Spirit and to follow the voice of God. If we do this, we will. The more we practice that, you know, following God's voice and doing what he tells us to do, then the greater peace, the greater um, fruit, the more fruit of the spirit will be manifested in our lives. I think to some point, some extent, every day we do manifest some of the fruit of the spirit, not as much as we could because we're not submitting as much as we need to. Right. Well, that's the next thing. It says humbling ourselves, which is part of of, of submitting, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, if we do that, our conversation will be heavenly, our conduct blameless. And mm-hmm. so, and we know that as humans, we have days where we're stronger and days where we're weaker. What should we do on those days when we're weaker? Pray more. Pray more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give our wills over to to Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the things, too, is we're in a spiritual battle. In, a, in an earthly battle, you win by fighting, but in a spiritual battle, we win you by win surrendering. Submitting. And people right. are just not used to that. So they tend to keep right. fighting when what's needed is surrendering to right. the Lord. That's, that, that's really interesting. Remember that, Lee. I'm going to ask you that later because I can't write it down right now. <laughs> but that's very interesting. And that is so true that, that we are so used to fighting. But, um, but, Getting closer to Christ means submitting, and that's where we okay. win in the Christian mm-hmm. race is by submitting, giving up ourselves 
Um, it says we may, this is the same paragraph, second paragraph. We may deny Christ in our life by indulging love of ease or love of self by jesting and joking. You ever, you ever been around somebody that just jokes all the time and just. So you annoying. Know, <laughs> <It's> very annoying. <laughs> you know, or, you know, another thing too, um, when people play too much or jest and joke too much, they cross boundaries they offend people without realizing it. It's, it's kind of like being very destructive to those people around you, you know, so. Right, right, right. Uh, we're on and I wanted, to, I wanted to say that. Some, to join us, but go ahead. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. I was going to say it's, it's kind of uh, interesting. You said there's people who joke and play all the time. Because we all like to have fun, and there's nothing wrong with having a good laugh. But when you're constantly doing it, it becomes really boring and insulting to people that you're around. Because mm-hmm. sooner or later, they're going to say something that offends you, and then mm-hmm. there's going to be an argument and a fight going on. So, you know, just it's like with everything else, you can you can overdo anything, even a good thing. If you mm-hmm. keep doing it, people get sick of it. So there has to be balance in life. In everything that we do. Okay. Okay. Um, let's skip on down to the fourth paragraph. We're in chapter 62 of Testimonies for the Church entitled Family Religion. It says, I, she says, I was shown that Satan's power is especially exercised upon the people of God. And we know that the Bible even uh, points out the people of God because judgment begins at the house of God. So we know that Satan is after those people that profess themselves to be to belong to Christ. I was shown that Satan's power is especially exercised upon the people of God. Many were presented before me in a doubting, despairing condition. The affirmities of the body affect the mind. A cunning and powerful enemy attends our steps and employs his strength and skill in trying to turn us out of the right way. And it is too often the case that the people of God are not on their watch. And therefore are ignorant of Satan's devices. He works by means which will best conceal himself from view. And he often gains his object. Mm. Any comments about that Satan working subtly in our lives? Because he's after the ones that are most trying to gain heaven. Uh, Yes, I I wrote a note on that. Um, What she described is us being distracted. You know, so... um, what are the things? What are the things that distract us? What kind of things uh, do you guys find distract you? Like I find work can be distracting. The mm-hmm. telephone, talking to people on the phone, is distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of other things are distracting to you? Anybody? What kind of things distract you? So that um, you may have had an intention. For instance, let's say. You had an intention. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to do a devotional or study a Sabbath school lesson or read a chapter in the Bible or something like that. And then at the end of the day, the day is gone and you never did that. So what distracted you? What, what happened? My own agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I have another question. How do you manage the distractions? How do you manage that? You know, what do you do to kind of keep yourself from from, from avoiding to avoid distractions? How what do you do? 
I do the most important things, the God things first thing in the morning to make sure that that's done. And then uh, I try sometimes to make a list uh, to kind of keep me on schedule of what needs to be accomplished for the day. Yeah. I, hey, Teresa, I tell Lee, uh, I tell Lee about my list. I forget where I put the list at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put my list in my phone. But what I do at the beginning of the day is I just say, Lord, I give my will to you to willing to do according to your good pleasure. And a lot of days I don't even get to my list until the end of the day because I noticed that the Lord has me doing this. And I'm going to say it's the Lord having me do that because my intention was to start at the, the number one thing on my list and just work down the list for the day. Yeah, and I, so, find that, I find that's true, too. If when, when I can't keep up with the list, there's so many um, other things, interruptions into that, you know. And so, in fact, I'm learning to just make my list shorter because, you know. Well, I I, I kind of learned to just make my list a list for the week (laughs) instead of a list for the day. And if I get through it in the week, that's good. And if I don't, then I just stretch it out and say, this is my list for the month. (laughs) 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 One one of the things that I do in the morning is ask the Lord, what do you want me to do today? Then I'll write down my list. And I'll put mm. the most important things that I feel God is telling me to do first. So that mm. way, if I get the top three, they were the most important. So I no, don't sweat so much about, you I know, like I used it. to really get upset because I didn't do the whole list. But mm. now if I get the top three or four done, then I'll keep the rest for the next day. Mm. Right. That's good. That's, That's good. good. Well, I, I, I put well, because really, I found myself, I found myself thinking about, um, like, okay, so th- this week has gone. So Friday, I immediately start thinking about what's going to happen, what, what my list is going to be on on uh, next week. Although I'm not going to write that list maybe until Sunday. And then I'm going to write, I'll try to write out my list. And again, you know, like I said, it'll get lost somewhere and stuff. But I have a new thing that Lee helped me with. I write it on the computer, have it on there. And then I highlight stuff but i like what lee said pray first and then what you have down and uh do you know the top things first i'm gonna do my mm-hmm. very best you guys to follow that mm-hmm. see I, i'll it's tell good. you i have how it works next week well you know i'll be doing something or be going to sleep and then my mind will remind me of something that I need to do work-wise or some, some kind of way. And I said, if I don't write it down, I'll forget it again. So I'll at least put it in my list of things to get done. But then I still, at the beginning of the beginning of the day, I said, Lord, I give my will over to you. Mm-hmm. And whatever things I accomplish that day, um, even if I don't start on my list until like, you know, after lunch or whatever, I know that I've, allow the Lord to lead. And that's why I didn't start on my stuff until later. I like that too, Karen. I like mm-hmm. that because the Holy Spirit has to have some space in our lives, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, right. Um, and some often, you know, like the Lord will say, call so-and-so, call so-and-so. Right. And then yeah. I'm so driven on my list. I never call the person. Right. And they say, right. I'm going to call it tomorrow. Right. And then the same thing happens. Right. I get driven on that list. It's like, you know, right. it's just leading me. So I don't, it's just a mess. But anyway, just pray for me. (laughs) Okay. Um, One of the things it has said that you read was 
Satan is especially after the people of God. And it only makes sense if he already has you on his side, he don't have to go after you. But it's so we have to remember when we are struggling through trials, tribulation and temptation, it's a good sign that we are still striving to do God's will. Otherwise, the devil wouldn't work so hard to get us. So we need to count everything, as it says in James, count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptation. Okay. Um, does anybody believe Satan lost any of his, his power when he was cast out of heaven? No. He didn't lose no. any power. Mm. He I didn't lose any power. Uh-huh. I believe that he has... Uh, lost power. I say that because uh, sin makes you weak. And so, as you notice, Gabriel is stronger than Lucifer. Mm-hmm. I believe that the, and the host of heaven's angels are stronger than those that have been sinning for 6,000 years. But they still ex- excel in strength over humans. Right. Amen. Amen. Also, he's lost the ability to go tempt other worlds. Right. Right. So he down here with us. (laughs) Right. Unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's move to paragraph 304.3. And in this paragraph, she starts off talking about how um, some of the brethren had, had invested in like patent rights and other enterprises. And they got other people to invest in it with them, but they got people who were not knowledgeable about knowledgeable about it, uh, didn't know what they were doing, um, and so um, it it overtaxed their minds and caused them to be anxious and upset and all of that. And she says in the middle of that paragraph, these poor souls will not be left to the control of Satan. They will make their way through the gloom and again fasten their trembling faith upon the promises of God. He will deliver them and turn their sorrow and mourning into peace and gladness. But basically she was saying that that some things that are beyond our understanding or our knowledge or our skill, we need to let those things alone. And don't be talked into those complex things by people who do understand them because it will just overtax us. It will just overtax those that don't understand it or haven't had training in it. You know, uh, like, you know, just suddenly throwing someone who's never... Um, mm. Uh, uh, bought and sold, traded in stock, throwing them on the stock market floor and saying, okay, you know, do your thing, you know, and that would probably cause a lot of anxiety for somebody who's never done that before and don't know what they're doing. Andre talks now about how with his job, um, he is learning new things, but he's not getting, there's nobody teaching him the things. So sometimes he doesn't know um, what he needs to do or how he needs to fill out a form or something like that because nobody has actually sat down with him and taught him how to do it. And so he's just kind of winging it. Well, that produces a lot of anxiety in him, you know, and that's understandable, you know. And so she's saying the same thing about people who, who basically are outside of their skill, education level or whatever the case may be that, um, that's just in the, basically another means of the enemy coming in, but God won't leave them there like that if they are truly 
you know, seeking after him. He's not going to leave them in that, in that condition. He's not going to leave them anxious and overtaxed and stressed out. And um, she says further on in that paragraph, means, by, means which should be put into the treasury of God to advance his cause is worse than lost by being invested in some of these modern improvements. If any who profess the truth feel at liberty to engage and capable of engaging in patent rights and inventions, they should not go among their brethren and make their field and make that their field of operation, but go among unbelievers. So, so, and let not your name and profession as an Adventist decoy your brethren who wish to consecrate their means to God, but go out into the world and let that class invest their means who care not for the advancement of the cause of God. Um, Andre and I were having a discussion about this, that, those statements there, because basically what she's saying is, don't, if, if you want to do that kind of thing, those complex kind of trading and stocks and investing and all that stuff, she says, go and don't, don't ask the brethren in the church to do it. Let them consecrate their means or to let them, um, return their, a faithful tithe and offering. The and, uh, and and treasurer of the church, <laughs> let them return a faithful tithe and offering. And go out to people that are unbelievers and get invest get, get them to invest in in your enterprises or whatever it is you're trying to do, and use their money. Don't use the money that um, is consecrated to 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 the Lord in the church. What do you all have to say about that? I think we have to be uh, very careful. Whatever we talk to each other about because there are a lot of people still in church who are easily swayed and maybe their thought from the Lord is put X amount into Christian education or put X amount into the church building program. But then if somebody comes along and says, Hey, I got this great idea and you can triple your money in one night and they're <laughs> easily swayed to do it. Well, she's pointing out that that money's going to be lost when it could have been used to, to, uh, move forward God's work so that we shouldn't just constantly go after the saints money. Uh, a lot of times people get mad because it seems like the conference is always asking for money, but the conference only has the membership to get the money from unless they do a fundraising effort. But sometimes in our own church, we keep coming after the same 20% who are already faithful when there is the other 80% that we need to talk to and try and point the right way to so don't just keep coming after the same people all the time either and i think too that um it can keep down a bunch of um conflict in the church because if the business deal fails then that's going to be a bunch of problems in the church you may actually lose more than just that money because you know members may fall away from the church you have um you know, like this side, believe that this side was wrong and people take sides and get involved in it. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, I understand what she's saying. And also if people, the, God's money is important. I mean, it's trying to save lives. So if you're going to be drawing money away from God's cause, you know, um, other people who are not following God, they're not trying to help save anybody. So that money can be, you know, they're squandering their money anyway as it is. So this is just one more thing for them to squander their money on. But I yeah. see too that it could be a real problem <laughs> in the church when you um, get people on these risky type of investment things and then it doesn't go through. Mm. Yeah. And would that make the stewardship leaders and the treasurer mad if you had somebody that wasn't <laughs> returning a faithful type of offering but they always wanted, wanting to jump on 
these uh, investment ideas? You know what, Karen, <laughs> I tell you what, what would make me angry as a stewardship leader is that if you are not returning a faithful tithing offering, but you are coming to the church members and leading them away to spend money on stuff and, and take away from the Lord's treasure. Now that will annoy me a lot. You, if you're not paying tithe and offering, that's just your spiritual battle with God. But when you become make other people follow along with you, then that is um, that makes me feel frustrated and annoyed with you. That would make me angry. One so of the reasons too why we uh, one of the reasons why we don't rent to church members is what Lakita was saying because if something happens then it's going to be a big mess at church you know and the people fall out of church and write letters to the conference when the truth is it's a legal matter you know you do this I do that if you don't do this then I'm going to do that but people don't take it that way if you rent to a church member and they can't pay you all of a sudden all the Lord will provide brother I'll get back to you next month (laughs) Because I don't want to hear that, you know, you're bringing God into it, which God's always in it. But you're trying to to act like I'm wrong for being legally right. And you just end up causing a lot of problems. And then it's like Lakita's saying, then they start picking people out of church. Guess what brother Sister Carol did. They did this. And now you got half the church hating you for an unnecessary reason. But it never comes out that the person didn't do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. how that works legally. You mm-hmm. know, Karen, you've been in corporate yeah. real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's skip down to paragraph 305.1. She says, I was shown the necessity of opening the doors of our houses and hearts to the Lord. When we begin to work in earnest for ourselves and for our families, then we shall have help from God. And she says, all who permit, uh, skipping down near the bottom of that paragraph, all who profess to be Christ's followers should have command of their own spirit, not allowing themselves to speak fretfully or impatiently. And then she goes on to talk about um, the husband's duties in the home and what he, um, what he brings to um, the family life as far as his words and his demeanor. And then also, uh, what the wife brings as far as her words and her demeanor. And so when we, when we think about that, basically um, she's talking about the, the, the kind of um, the kind of um, imprint that we should leave on one another, like in our homes, husbands in their homes, hus- wives in their homes and, and, and on our children. Um. And she's she's talking there about our words and and what we have to say. And she talked about women as being uh, weaker in terms of infirmities and diseases, especially affecting women. And so that much of the happiness of the family depends upon the wife and the mother. And if she's weak and nervous Mm -hmm. all the time, then that's going to affect the whole family. Mm -hmm. Um, And then down in the next paragraph, paragraph 306.2, she talks oh, about before you go there, oh, Karen. Okay. Yes. Uh, she was writing that and she says the husband and father, but then she talks about the wife and mother. Uh, right. because it's not an either or. The right. husband's called to be the priest of the household. The w- the wife is the mother of the ha- household who the happiness of the family depends on. Like people say, happy wife, happy life kind of thing. 
But right. each of us as human beings, we have to watch our words because uh, your words really can hurt people. We always like that little uh, saying, sticks and stones. Yeah, that hurts, but words hurt too. And words can hurt your children. They can hurt your spouse. And it's like the scripture says, they're like flaming arrows. Once mm-hmm. you shot them, you can't take them back. Right. So when you say something mean, insulting, degrading, or untrue about another person, it's already affected them that quickly. So you can come back later and say, oh, man, I'm sorry. Or, honey, I'm sorry. It's too, too late. late. Mm-hmm. You can still apologize, and you should. But the effect has already hit them. And now you're right. going to have to work harder to uh, straighten that out, hopefully. Absolutely. I wrote wrote a note down in uh, my note on this um, paragraph says, the husband may contribute if not cause illness in his family. And that's just because we're talking about the husband right there. But, you Mm -hmm. know, a long time ago at the um, Revelation seminars and those type of things, they would say that if men want to keep their wives out of the doctor's office, then they would be nice to them. And that would keep them out of the doctor's office. I, I believe that a lot of people are in the doctor's office simply because they're lonely. And they mm-hmm. want, even though they're married, you know, they want that personalized attention. Yeah, that's that's probably very true, Lupita. Probably it's kind, of, it's kind of bad a little bit farther down uh, where you were at, Karen. It says, because the husband doesn't always sympathize or care about the wife's burdens, or doesn't know how to sympathize, then it says he does not realize he is aiding the great enemy in his work of tearing down. Mm -hmm. So we have to really be careful how we treat each other uh, because Mm -hmm. we don't want to be helping the devil to tear us down, tear one another down. Right. And it's, it's, it's so easy in the family to take, start taking other family members for granted and just assume that, you know, they're going to, they're okay. You know, or you may come in, you've had a bad day and uh, or they've done something that really irritates you. And you just really want to just just go upside their head with your words. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? But really, um, but really, we don't realize that being married or being in the house with people, whether you're married or it's your children or whatever, it gives you an unlimited amount of times and numbers to um, earn to put riches in heaven because you can do so many kindnesses for your spouse, little things, you know, that will earn you, you know, that you earn your riches in heaven by the kindnesses that you're doing. I like that thought, Lakita. Yeah. I mean, you know, instead of tearing your house down and paying money to the doctors so he can show kindness to your wife, you can be (laughs) earning more riches in heaven and uh, building up your family at the same time. Okay. I it's think funny where it said, it's funny where it says there are talking about people who are tearing down the family and causing all these problems and illness and whatever. It says there are many such miserable families all through the ranks of Sabbath keepers. So we have to know just because we're keeping the Sabbath, that doesn't uh, prevent us from suffering some <laughs> of the same issues that other people suffer if we're taking the same actions that other people are taking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, as you were saying, Lee, she doesn't just limit the home life to the husband and his role, but also she discusses the wife and her role in the family and um, 
the things that that she needs to do to be cheerful and to give encouraging words so that her husband is not, uh, it, you know, his affections are not weaned from her. And then the girl in the office looks better than his wife to him, or something like that. Well, I think too that um, watching what you say to your husband is very important. I think that we can undermine, um, we can undermine our family's self-confidence and uh, confidence in God. We can really hinder them and hurt them <clears throat> just by our words and certain looks that we do. And, you know, we know that um, certain words make them feel a certain type of way. So we just say the word at will, all willy nilly instead of, you know, trying a better way to say stuff. It's not easy. I, I think being married is difficult and is difficult because this is the one place where uh, the one ground or area where you are required to, sometimes you just have to humble, your, well, not sometimes, you need to be walking in humility, in uh, humbleness all the time. But it's so hard when you're around the person all the time to respond in a submissive and humble way, either way for the husband or the wife, because sometimes if you're sick, you know, you don't feel like being kind and nice. But if I know that Lee is sick, why should I attack him? If I know he's grumpy because he's not feeling well, that that gives me the opportunity to be more Christ-like, to be Christ-like stuff. So I think being married is really a very challenging. It can be full of joy, but it can be filled, like she said, full of misery if you don't handle that thing right. <laughs> At right. one of our seminars, someone said, uh, the thing you try and do is out-love your spouse. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, one yeah. of the things that um, one of the things that I'm seeing, uh, especially in reference to this here passage, is that it all stems from your relationship with Christ. Uh, if we are truly suited in our relationship with Christ, then we'll be willing because it, the statement always says, "Be the head of the household as Christ is the head of the household." Uh, and so, when we think of that we both then have a responsibility on how we reflect and talk to one another and act. Uh, mm -hmm. One of her statements literally said both should yield, should be yielding, but the word of God gives preference to the judgment of the husband. That's not to say that the husband should overrule or stand uh, over his wife, but it's to say that because of our love for Christ, we find ourselves in a position that we're able to allow that to happen. And so we have to be very careful about how we look at that from the perspective of, am I living a Christian life? And I think it starts with the husband uh, initially uh, as we go forward. And I think absolutely, uh, uh, Percy, I think a lot of times women have a problem with that because of the fact that, well, they say, well, my husband is not following the Lord. Then mm -hmm. what, Percy? Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I said I, I believe it starts with the husband. Hence is why God said, you know, if you want to be the house, the head of the household, how are you going to be that if you don't even know me? Right. You know, so you first have to know God. You have to be in his will and uh, in his his leading and guiding. Um, as we had in our Sabbath school lesson, though, as well, interpretation and translation is one of the biggest problems we have across the board not just on the uh, interpreting the, the word of God, but interpreting what one another is saying. We have to get to the context of what is actually being said. We miss that point all the time uh, in our conversations with one another because we don't ask enough questions. 
Mm. One of the things too to remember that husbands means house band, the one who bands the family together. And that also brings with a responsibility to God. And he's going to ask, what'd you do with my little flock that mm-hmm. I gave you? And we're going to need, hopefully we have a good answer for that. Have mercy. You know, not allow our own egos to get in the way of taking care of God's flock. Absolutely. Um, let's go down to paragraph 307.1 now down at the bottom. Um, and she says, uh, well, kind of middle of that paragraph. She says, uh, we should learn wherein we fail and then guard ourselves upon that point. You ever have an argument and you you just want to tell the other person what's wrong with them? <laughs> How they were wrong? <laughs> we should learn wherein we fail. Or you ever had somebody pray over you and they pray for you to stop doing the stuff you're doing, but they would have they, they don't recognize their own error in the situation. And uh, she says, we, we must have perfect control over our own spirit. And if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The light that shines upon our path, the truth that commends itself to our consciences, will condemn and destroy the soul or sanctify and transform it. We are living too near the close of probation to be content with a superficial work. The mm. same grace which we have hitherto considered sufficient will not sustain us now. Our faith must be increased and we must become more like Christ in conduct and in disposition in order to endure and successfully resist the temptations of Satan. The grace of God is sufficient for every follower of Christ. Let me ask a question. Um, in terms of um, this pandemic that we are facing, and I'm sure, you know, you've had conversations or heard people have conversations. Is this, is this the beginning of the end? Or, you know, and we've heard, you know, and we know from the Bible that, you know, when things start happening, you know, it, it's going to only be the beginning of sorrows. Everybody's, everybody's wanting to get back to normal. But what if, what if this is the best of the new normal that's coming? Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. What if it only gets worse from here? What should we, what should we, knowing prophecy and knowing scripture, what should we be doing in our own personal lives during this time? I think it's very true that as students of the scriptures, we do know that it's only going to get worse because it says that the at the last day is just like it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be just that terrible, so terrible that God destroyed the whole world. Well, that's what's going to happen again. So we know it is going to happen while it might not just continually go straight downhill, but it might have some good times, some bad times, but definitely it's going to be going to get worse. This is what we're seeing right now is nothing. uh, The scriptures points out that the little trouble that you going, the little trouble that we're going through now is nothing to be compared with the glory that we shall see when Christ returns. So no matter how bad it gets, the glory that Christ is going to bring with him is going to take all that sorrow and pain away. Well, Karen, you asked, what should we be doing? I think we should be doing what uh, we mentioned earlier. We should uh, be reflecting upon ourselves, praying for God, like uh, David says, give me a, a clean heart and a right mind. We should be praying and studying and listening 
and just um, drawing closer to Christ because if this is the beginning of sorrows and we're blessed, you know, you know, everybody here seems to be managing very well. You know, I don't know deeply if you have some deep down dark psychological and emotional uh, things going on because of this, but for the most part, we're eating, probably gaining weight during this thing where some people are not, you know, and still sleeping and you're in your house and everything. So we still, we're really blessed. We're, we're here at this space, but what about the next one that's coming? Because I do believe this is just the beginning of sorrows. And, um, you know, if you notice, it has like um, one, two, three things this week. You know, you had those hornets coming out loud. There was a, a snowstorm up in Northeast United States. And then you still have the coronavirus and it's upticking in some areas. It's, it's growing and not coming down. So, um, but all these things are happening and we and more are to come. So maybe the next time we go around, it'll be four things. You know, we still don't know what we're going to look like when, uh, in terms of the financial situation for others, because I really believe that God will sustain you if you are faithful to him and not just, you know, in all areas, just being giving your life to Christ, he takes care of you. Well, you know, it's interesting to me that um, during this pandemic, there are so many people that want to just get back out, get back out there doing the things that they used to be able to do with impunity, you know, and it's so interesting because, uh, you know, Andre, who's my husband, uh, he's, he's been just chomping at the bit. He can't stand being in the house this much. Hmm. And so he has, was kind of going out maybe three times a week. And I was telling him, you don't need to go out that often. You only need to go out once a week at the most. He said, oh, so he said to me, he said, what do you want? You want me to be in this house all the time? I said, yes, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Right. While this is going on, but the scripture that came to mind, because I was thinking yesterday and I said, you know, what if um, this is truly the beginning of the end? And what if things do not go up from here and only go down from here in and next year this time or or in three months from now or six months from now, we, we've got to find places in the rocks and holes and dens to hide in and live in without television and without cell phones and without running water and all of that stuff. You know, and the scripture that came to mind is how are you how are you if you cannot walk with the footman, how are you gonna run with the horses? You know. And that requires a process of conditioning to be ready to run with the horsemen. Go ahead, Paul. Mm -hmm. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that um, Ellen G. White, a man asked Ellen G. White, um, when was the Lord going to come? He said he really wished he could have that answer for him. He said if it would, she said, "Why? what difference does it make? She said, well, if, if I knew he was coming this year or five years or 10 years, then I could kind of, uh, you know, readjust my life and orchestrate things better and plan things better. And she said, well, what would you do if you knew he was coming this year? And he said, well, I would, I would sell my property. I would be trying to use my money for the furthering of God's work and try and warn as many people as possible that the Lord Lord's coming was imminent. And so I think that in that same vein, when you say, what should we be doing? Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, 
do we believe the Lord's coming is imminent? And mm-hmm. if we do, then that should set the pace on what we should be doing. You know, and we're not going to heaven uh, uh, by ourselves. It, like they say, it's not going to be any starless crowns. So if you know somebody's house is on fire, they're in danger. Then yeah, it's good that my house is not on fire. But I, if I love my brother and my sister, I can't just watch them burn. You know, I'll be held accountable if I knew I could help them and I didn't warn them that the house was burning. So we have a responsibility as, as, as God's disciples to go out and give that warning message, you know. And so mm-hmm. we have to first be convinced where we are, and that will dictate our actions. Yeah, um, that also, I also wanted to ahead, add Bruce. to what Paul was saying as well. You know, the question said, what should we be doing? Well, the question should have been, what have you been doing even prior to this coming? Because in order to have been prepared for anything that is coming that God has told you about, he gave it to you a long time ago. So in answer to what we should be doing, we should already be doing what God had given us and extending that even to a further uh, bettering ourselves, uh, i.e. what you're doing right now, studying, having discipleship class. You can do more, but you should have already been doing it prior to, because I, I hate to say it, if he came today, then you asking that question, you already lost. Mm. Mm. First. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. We should be able to say, I will continue doing what I'm doing because we should be on one accord with God. But, you know, that's their idea, ideal position. As Lakita mentioned, we need to look honestly at ourselves and say, where am I lacking in my Christian walk? Uh, where am I doing my own thing, running my own agenda? Uh, where mm-hmm. God is telling me to do this, I'm choosing to do my own thing. And then we have to surrender so that the Lord can correct those things in us. Uh, one of the things, too, the Bible says is, uh, he that endureth till the end shall be saved. So there mm-hmm. will be a need to endure, like you were saying, Karen, uh, hardship, discouragement, uh, dis- <clears throat> dismay, doubt, physical struggles, etc. But God has promised to be with us through all those things. But there will be an effort needed, and that effort is going to be having true faith and trust in God's ability to save us from anything that comes our way. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I think about during this pandemic is that, um, you know, we are good at having church inside the four walls. But this has forced us to go outside those four walls. And it has forced us in such a way that we have had to get learn new things and learn new technology. Um, yes, our church was, was, was fortunate in that we were already doing the live stream of our services and that kind of thing. Um, but we weren't um, going outside the four walls that often. And now we're forced to be exclusively outside of those four walls. And, um, God, I believe God is doing a new thing. And I believe that even if we come back around and we, uh, everything does settle back down, the dust settles and we're able to get back to life as we knew it before the pandemic, that things have to be different and we have to do things differently. And we have to, as you all were saying, examine ourselves. And as Percy said, um, continue if we were 
already working in the Lord's venue continue, but in a different way now, because now mm -hmm. we see some things differently. You know? Yeah. yeah, I like the statement that she puts in there going into the next uh, paragraph. She said, our efforts to resist the attacks of Satan must be earnest and persevering, meaning that you got to be faithful and honest about what you're doing, but you got to be there for the long haul, as Lee said earlier, uh, those who endure to the end, because he employs his strength and skill in trying to turn us out of the right way. So we know what's ahead of us. We know what's before us right now. But the object, the objective lesson is for us to continue our efforts to resist him by earnest, being earnest and persevering. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways... One of the things that this uh, pandemic has brought out, you know, we said it a lot during service and all when we're at, actually in the church building. We say we are the church. Well, now this is really showing <laughs> that it's not the building that matters. It's you. What is your connection with Christ? We are the church. And I think a lot of people are uh, finally realizing, yeah, I can't go to the church building. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it shouldn't mean a whole lot. It's nice to be in a nice building, uh, but Christ dwells within us so that mm -hmm. wherever we go, we should have the feeling that we are worshiping and praising God, no matter who else is around us or where we are, because we truly are the church. And this has really broken up a lot of uh, people's comfort, comfortable situation. They say that the people that study mice and stuff say, Mice always go the same route. That's why you can always catch them with a mousetrap. If you see them go down the right side wall, they're going to keep going down that wall because it's comfortable and they feel, you know, perfectly happy doing that. Same way with humans. We get into our comfort zone and we don't want to change. So there's a lot of people who are comfortable coming out to 1721 Parker Road once a week, having song and prayer and going home. Well, now the comfort has been mixed up. And now the question is now, what are you going to do now? How are you going to serve the Lord? How, what's your Christian walk like now that it's not so comfortable? Hmm. Yes. Right. And uh, in that same paragraph that Percy was reading from, paragraph 308.1, it says that Satan works most successfully in darkness, injuring those who are ignorant of his devices. He could not gain advantage if his method of attack were understood. Mm -hmm. The instruments he employs to affect his purposes and transmit his fiery darts are often the members of our own family. Mercy. Mm. You know, it's Mercy. interesting because they did say during this pandemic that domestic violence has increased because people are at home all the time now. You They're know, not used to being around their spouse. Uh, it's so funny because uh, my cousin uh, actually said, she said, I'm not used to my husband being here all the time. Yeah. She said, so I got to find some other okay, things to do to kind of be in a different room or something like that. Oh, you know, <laughs> I actually wow. think I read something about the divorce rate increase, too, because mm, of that reason. So. You know, it's kind of funny well, because well, let, let me people, say this: it might increase uh -huh. after this. It's like it's like a baby boom. You'll see the results later because right now the courts aren't even entertaining that kind of stuff right now. So. Yeah, now the thing <laughs> it too, may is be a like, rush on the court people, later. 
when people were dating, you know, there's a lot of people who date and they do all kind of fun activities, but they never really sit down and talk to each other and mm. have meaningful conversations about what your desires and dreams and hopes are, what you think about the family, church, etc. And then they get married and they have time now to sit down and they find out they're not really compatible. So mm. I think a lot of that's going on too. I think you have a lot, a lot of people have a lot of pent up frustrations and they was, they can, they can um, ease it out as they go to work or go to the gym or this, that, and the other. See, even the, even the demons, the, the, the uh, a fight amongst each other, the evil angels fight amongst each other. And that's why right. it's so important to have your home where angels choose to dwell, you know, the spirit of God brings the mm-hmm. sweet fragrance of peace and love within that home because mm-hmm. you have to, you have to cut off every avenue, every channel of the enemy entering into your sacred place. Your home should be like a, a sanctuary mm-hmm. where God dwells there. And so I think that is vitally important to make sure that the spouse uh, 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 is communing with God on a personal level as well as a collective level coming together and just it's just a sweet atmosphere when you have God a home should be the closest thing to heaven on earth but Mm -hmm. unfortunately for a lot of people it's the closest thing to hell (laughs) and you know what is interesting too it's one thing if you are sheltering at home and both of you still have a job and you can work from home but I imagine that the frustration level is greatly increased if both of you lost your job mm. during mm. this pandemic and you're and you're at home together. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm glad so you now you got to figure out, OK, how are we going to even eat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and how are we going to keep the roof over our head and that kind of thing? You know, mm-hmm. and if you didn't like each other going into the pandemic, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. mercy. A lot of marriages uh, are in trouble when it comes down to financial uh, uh, dealings. And that's mm-hmm. when you both have to be able to trust in God. That's why it's so important to be faithful stewards and your tithe and offerings because you're saying, God, I trust you for my sustenance. I trust you to keep us. And so when you come to that point, and we're all going to come to it, they say the time of trouble is worse than what you are trying to imagine. Mm, right. Okay, right. so we have to be ready. Right. We had heard a really good message at Uchi Pines where the guy talking, he was pointing out that many times we get confused about who really our source is. And we say our job is our source and my paycheck is my source or my spouse is my source. When that's not true, God is our source. And if we keep him in our thoughts and minds that God is our source, then things that happen around us, they don't affect us as much. They still will a little bit because we're humans. But keeping in mind that God is the source, not my job, so I don't have to jump out the window because I lost my job. I don't have to kill myself because a spouse packed up because she couldn't handle it, whatever. But recognize that all that we have or ever will have comes from God, not from other people on this planet. Absolutely. Uh, one of our Facebook viewers is asking the question, Tiana J is asking, what can people do about dealing with each other while staying safely inside? 
uh, well, Lakita, I'm gonna ask you to answer that one. <laughs> breathe, child, breathe. <laughs> well, you can um, do some relaxation stuff. I think that this is a good time for husband and wife to um, serve God by serving each other. Also, recognize when um, that you and your spouse are both probably stressed out. You got to kind of sit down and list the things that are stressing you out. And you're already feeling some kind of way. And the anger may not really be directed at him, but at the situation. So, and also add some joy in your life. I know that one of the couples we talked to last week at our uh, three o'clock time that we meet and uh, talk and just hang out a little bit on Zoom, the couple was having um, what they call a pandemic dinner. So they was taking, uh, they were like, using recipes from different cultures, you know, like from Asian food and Mexican food. So try to add some joy into the simple things that you're doing um, every day. Rebuild your relationship. Make sure that your answers and that you're speaking kindly and friendly uh, as far as possible. And then take some me time. You do need me time. You know, you can go downstairs and he go upstairs or you go outside on the front. Let him. You just need some me time. You know, you by yourself and him by himself, not because you're angry, but simply because it's really a good thing to have a break, especially if you're not used to being around that person or anybody uh, that lives for a lot of time. Because I know I'm here with Lee and we really work together. We always I mean, we have a business that we work together. He's in the business and Lee goes downstairs in his office. He works in his office. I work in my office. You know, we have our meal together. Um Sometimes he's watching something on TV, like boxing or something that I find, you know, horrible. Uh, (laughs) 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 You know, get to the sewing machine and sit down and do something. So have something of your own interest as well. It's a lot that you can do. Um, And you can also, I guess, Karen, um, inbox me. Just put my name out there, Karen. Can you do that? Right? My name out there. And then she Uh can inbox me. I can put this down on paper because I gave her a lot. And so you want to pick one of those things and practice it for a week, maybe another one the next week or a few days or something like that. Also, okay, let me just let oh. them go to the Parents Train Up Facebook page because Lakita has made several videos with that type of information on them. That's mm-hmm. the Parents Train Up Facebook page. Yes, I have. Really, I have mm-hmm. been doing a series on, um, you know, lowering stress during um, COVID-19. And uh, mm-hmm. so I try to do something every day, but I found that unfeasible. So now I'm down to three days a week. A lot so of good tips and information on how to handle this pandemic. Okay. Okay. Uh, good. And I'm, and, and I'm assuming also Lakita on that you're dealing with, because you discussed uh, husbands and wives, but what about when you're at home, the kids are at home, you got young kids that are at home still. Girl, send them and- outside. And, yeah, and you're dealing, and you're dealing with them, and and the husband may be used to you, the wife, dealing with the kids, but now he's home too, and everybody's at home, and so now yeah. you may be you looking know, at more real, shared that's, responsibility. That's some good dynamics because I think now the uh, husband and wife they can sit down and talk about okay. how this is going to work. Um, they need to be on one accord about bedtimes, mm-hmm. meal times, how all that's going to look. And um, they can, and I will say this, I, I believe in this, time out for everybody. Send those kids outside in the backyard and let them play out there in the sunshine and air. No friends can come over. Let them have picnic lunches outside. 
Mm. <laughs> Try to make it fun. You know, you can sit outside, you know, and watch the kids play and they don't have to be right up under you. Now, if you're going to be a magnet for them, tell them, I need to go inside for a minute and um, get you some peace. But you do have to survive. I know my mom had no problem with saying, go outside and play. And uh, we knew what that meant. Don't come in because if you do, it's going to be a chore for you to get down. I already have it lined up. If you step in this house, you're going to do it. So um, those, that's just a simple thing. But yes, on there, there are some ideas for parents and what to do with your kids as well. And for those of you who are watching, Lakita Carroll is a licensed therapist. And she was mentioning their uh, Facebook page, Parents Train Up. And there you can go and find... Um, uh, Videos. videos, videos on coping during this COVID-19 uh, crisis. So um, thank you for asking that question, Tiana J. And then uh, the next question that, that she also asked was, uh, what does it mean to be ready daily? What does it okay. mean to be ready daily? Meaning well, we ready for Christ soon coming. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a state of mind when we're talking about being ready daily. One of the most important things we can do is to commune with God. That means pray, constantly pray. Uh, but the other facet of being ready daily is in the word, studying his word to show yourself approved, meaning that when I'm going into his word, I'm looking for meat, something that's going to enhance and make me better and allow me to even get through this, this process of pandemic. So when you're looking at being ready, those are the two factors that stands out most to me, prayer and study. I want to add to that, uh, being ready is also having a right relationship with Christ, constant communication with him, just like your best friend or your spouse, you should always have a good relationship. You speak to them, you listen to what they have to say, Communication is a key of always keeping God in your life, no matter what you're going through. Never cast him away. He, he's not going to cast us away. So we need to keep him first and foremost in our thoughts, no matter what uh, is going on. Amen. Amen. I think another part of being ready daily is um, Sister White says every day we should, when we pray, when we get up, we should give our will over to God or over mm. to the Lord. Um, we cannot give our hearts because our hearts are desperately wicked who can know them, but we can give our will to him. And if we give our will to him every single day in the morning, at the beginning of our day, then you'd be surprised the different choices that you make throughout the day, mm -hmm. because now the Lord is leading you. And if you've truly given your will over to him, he's going to direct you in right paths. Amen. Throughout your day. Um, let's go to paragraph 309.1 in the in the uh, study. And she says that, and this is kind of a continuation of what we were talking about. She says, I saw that the enemy will contend either for the usefulness or the life of the godly and will try to mar their peace as long as they live in this world. But his Satan's power is limited. And he may cause the furnace to be heated, but Jesus and angels will watch the trusting Christian that nothing may be consumed but the dross. Mm. Mercy. Isn't that something? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> the fire yeah. kindled by Satan can have no power to destroy or hurt the true metal. 
It is important to close every door possible, though, against the entrance of Satan. You ever heard uh, that phrase, you need to guard the avenues of your soul? And mm-hmm. in, in this day and age where knowledge is increased, where we have access to so much stuff. You know, it used to be back in the day that, you know, in order for Satan to tempt some of us, we have to be in those places. But now this, that's not even necessary. Satan will bring it right to us in our own home, on our own phone, or on our own computer. He'll just bring it to us. And so it's, it's easier now for Satan to bring those temptations to us. But thankfully, you know, if, 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 you know, old Adventists, <laughs> anyway, guarding the avenue of your soul. And, and Paul, talk a little bit about what that means, Paul. Well, when you, if you know that there is a predator outside of your house, then you make sure that every door, every window is secure uh, so that you would guard every entry. So you have to be sober and vigilant and even realize that there's someone out there trying to destroy you every which way Satan studies the characters. He studies every person. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he knows what you like. He knows your temperaments. And so he works masterfully to try to get you to stumble in, in every each and every way. That's why God says that we have to be sober and vigilant. We have to stay prayed up. We cannot allow uh, the enemy to cloud us. And so God will give this, give us the eye salve so that we can see Satan's uh, traps under any disguise. We say, oh no, because the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. So in all that ways, acknowledge him. And God will direct your path. And so we, every morning we get on our knees and we pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation. You're putting yourself in the way you you are uh, communicating to yourself that I'm in a world when I step out that I'm going to be tempted. So, Lord, block that avenue right now. Just keep me in an attitude of prayer. Keep my temperament, keep my flesh under control, subdued by the Holy Spirit. Let me keep the fruit of the Spirit because we cannot walk. The Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. So we have to realize that we cannot do anything in our own strength. It's only through the power of God, just having that continual uh, uh, channel with God. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because the Bible talks about Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And Jesus is not going to come in unless we open the door. Is that the same way with the enemy, with Satan? No. He's gonna knock the door down. He's gonna bust the door down. He'll bust the door down. Well, you know what? I think it even goes beyond that. He's gonna come in the windows, he's gonna come in the vents, he's gonna come in Mm -hmm. in the you know, every you know, you know, you know how you see uh bugs in your house, you're like, How did that thing get here? You know, the little cracks in between the brick and mortar, he's gonna come in every which way he can, and he's not gonna ask your permission. And he's not going right. to care if you even say no, because like you said, Paul, he's been watching you all your life. And he mm. knows your no is really not a no because he's been <laughs> watching you maybe in secret of the things you do when other people aren't watching. Mm-hmm. And he knows your no is really not a no. And, and, and it's, in, it's interesting, too. Uh, you mentioned flood. The Bible says that the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard 
So we've all had plenty of experience with floods here in St. Louis. And if your house was in a flood, there's nothing you can do to stop the water from coming, not coming in. You can put up sandbags or whatever. That flood is going to find a way to get in. And that's how the devil is. Mm. You can put up this block, that block. He's going to find the weak part. And that's what he's going to explore, exploit, which is, uh, as Paul said the other day, we have to put on the whole armor of God. Because if you walk out there and you're missing a shoe or you're missing your shield or you're missing your helmet, you're going to get hit. And it's not going to be good because the devil never gives up. But we have to keep our faith and trust in God, knowing that he is our protector and our shield and he'll take care of us if we allow him to. Lee, for those who may be watching that that aren't familiar with what the whole armor of God is, tell us what that is, what that consists of. Are you trying to make me memorize it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, all those feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, it's just a whole covering of God's word and his protective care over us. If you leave any of it off, I guarantee you the devil's going to find your weakness and he's going to exploit it. Uh, when you were reading that part about the furnace, it reminded me of a terrific message a pastor gave about the Hebrew boys in the furnace. And we all go through our own fiery furnaces. But the title of it was Only the Ropes Were Burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what Sister, uh, Sister White says right here. She talks about it. She says, the powers of darkness gather about the soul and shut Jesus from our sight. And at times we can only wait in sorrow and amazement until the cloud passes over. She says, these seasons are sometimes terrible. Hope seems to fail and despair seizes upon us. But in these dreadful hours, we must learn to trust, number one, to depend solely upon the merits of the atonement. Number two, and in all our helpless unworthiness, cast ourselves upon the merits of the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen. Amen. Karen, that verse was Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. Mm -hmm. Armor of God. Absolutely. Um, And absolutely. And, and, you know, that, that is so apropos. Uh, what you what the, the, what you were reading just now, Percy, mm-hmm. because we don't know if this is the beginning of sorrows and we don't know if things are going to go downhill from here. You know, um, we don't know, you know, what the what what when 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 the okay. four angels. Karen. Karen. Uh, yeah, Karen. we what? do know. It's already prophesied. It's going well, to no, what work. I'm saying is we don't know when that time is actually at hand. We think this may be it. You know, it may not be it. You know, we don't really no, know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's okay. not going to it's not going to improve. It what you're saying is we don't know how fast it's going to go. Well, down. yeah. We don't absolutely. know exactly we we don't know if if the uh, big time of trouble is tomorrow, next week, or if it's ten years from now. But we do know, we absolutely know it's not going to improve. It's not going to get better. Now, will we have a resemblance of prior normalcy? Right. Will we have a resemblance of that? Because it will only be a resemblance. And, you know, one thing this time has taught me is this. 
everybody is just, they, they would say it, everybody's living one paycheck away from bankruptcy. And when you're looking at these companies and these um, stores and all these people, and um, these companies or some companies are just not coming back. So, you know, the, the, the unemployment rate is going to remain higher after this is over than it was before it came. So it's not, I don't want anybody to be fooled out there. It's not, it may not be as dire as it is right now, but it's going to be, it is going to be, um, it's going to be worse. You know, we can look at just how all of the uh, forest is going. And so we have, what is it that, what is that warming, um, global. global warming, that's still going on. You know, you still have starvation that was already going, going on. So no, you know, it's not, and, and if it gets back to any normalcy, it's only going to be resembling what we used to have. And it shall be a steady decrease because it's prophesied. We already know it. When they okay. say peace and safety, sudden destruction should come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to be the, bad, the bearer of bad news and stuff. That's why, you know, I'm saying to people, find your joy today because you don't absolutely know what's going to happen tomorrow. So find some joy in this bad situation because the next situation may be worse. And while, you, and while you're finding your joy, find your solace in God. Exactly. That's going to be the only thing that's going to give us a peace in the midst of the storm because the time of trouble can happen for a person as soon as they leave their job. Mm -hmm. That might be their time of trouble starting right then, but you have to have a, a, a resting place. Like that song says, my soul has found a resting place. It's in Christ Jesus. And that's why we have to be anchored in the mm -hmm. Lord. Because like the, two, the parable between the two houses, they didn't know the houses looked identical. You couldn't tell the difference. But what made the difference was when the storm hit, you knew which house was connected to the rock and which one was on the sand. And so mm -hmm. as these trials hit, we're going to know whether we're connected to sand or whether we're just a slab on sand. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in that respect, uh, going back to what you read, Percy, down at the bottom of that paragraph, it says, we are too quickly discouraged and earnestly cry for the trial to be removed from us. And we know mm -hmm. a lot of people are, are, are demanding during this, during this pandemic that things return to normal. Even though, even though the, the numbers of, of people testing positive is rising, even though the deaths are still rising, they're demanding that things be returned to the way they were. Mm -hmm. And it says, and with, um, and Karen, when things were the way they were, they complained all day and night about that situation. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it says when it says, so we, we, we too quickly become discouraged and earnestly cry for the trial to be removed from us when we should plead for patience to endure and grace to overcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and down in the next paragraph, and we're going to end with this one, she says, and kind of, uh, maybe like second sentence, she says, we must subdue a hasty temper and control our words. And in this, we shall gain great victories. Unless we contain our, I'm sorry, unless we control our words and temper, we are slaves to Satan. Uh -huh. We are in subjection to him and he leads us captive. All jangling and unpleasant, impatient, fretful words 
are an offering presented to his satanic majesty. Now let me just stop right there because you, you never think about your words like that in the middle of an argument that your words are presenting an offering to Satan. Mm. You never think about that. Mm. You know? That's why it's important, um, I think, to submit ourselves to God first and foremost, and then we resist the devil. A lot of people try to, you know, to put the cart before the horse. They try to mm. resist the devil in their own power. Yeah. The word says yeah. we have to submit first to uh -huh. God, and then we resist the devil. And then what does he do? He flees from us. Right. So Good point. We guard the avenues of our souls. We have to first submit to God. Good point. Good point. And it says that when we offer these hasty, unpleasant, impatient, fretful, sometimes even evil words, it says this is a costly offering, more costly than any sacrifice we can make for God, for it destroys the peace and happiness of whole families. It destroys health and is eventually the cause of us forfeiting an eternal life of mm. happiness. This whole lesson so, kind of brings back to us where it says, by their words shalt thou be justified, and by their words shalt thou be condemned, because the recording absolutely. angels record everything that we say and do. So if we absolutely. can think about how am I going to look in heaven when that's brought up, you know, mm. we need to keep that in mind and mm. make our words as sweet as honey, because sometimes we might have to eat them. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. So we're going to be it's a, it's very natural in the flesh to be cynical fault finding negative in this world but to have the fruit of the spirit to find the positive things affirming each other looking at the positive things in life as i said we attract clouds of evil angels becomes tools of satan when we become so negative and cynical in, 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 in uh, showing all of these negative traits and just seeing the worst out of every situation. When the Bible says, in all things, give thanks, saying, mm -hmm. I, said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. So we have to train ourselves to be, to think in positive ways. You know, the, the check engine light comes on, the furnace goes out. I can just go on down the list but as long as you're breathing, it says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So at the end of the at the end of the line, there's something to be thankful for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what and you just so, said, Paul, was interesting at the end of the line. There's something to be thankful for at the beginning of the line, but we tend to wait till the end to acknowledge it. So if we can get to, as you're saying, acknowledging God, be thankful at the beginning of any situation, then that's a truly going to be a blessing to us and everybody around us. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And, and during this period, of, uh, during this pandemic period of time, when we, a lot of the, a lot of the distractions that distracted us prior to this, and we have more time for self-reflection I think that we need to reflect on some of these things that this chapter has pointed out, you know, and if we are guilty of any of them, we need to confess it before the Lord and, um, and, and, and ask the Lord to take that from us. Um, and so that 
you know, because if things are only going to get worse from here, and as Lakita said, when they get worse <laughs> or time frame, and we don't know how fast they're going to get worse. Um, we need to be a people preparing for our Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. we need to be a people when these things are pointed out to us, whether through our reading, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, um, through prayer or something that the, that the Lord causes us to read in the, in the word of God, that those are things that we need to take seriously at this point in time, um, because we all need to make our own calling and election sure. And as far as possible, um, you know, uh, uh, pray for those in our household also to make their calling and election sure and make, and make the religion of the family truly a Christ-like religion and not simply, oh, well, you know, at church, you're, you're happy and, you're, you know, everybody thinks everything is great. And then you, you get home and you're speaking cross and evil words to your spouse or your, or, or your children or whatever the case may be. And um, I think that it goes back to what we talked about, guarding the avenues of your soul, but also, as you said, submitting, submitting uh, your, your, your will over to Christ. And if we do that, we simply will not go wrong. Um, all right, Lee, uh, next week, Elder Lee Carroll will be leading the discipleship class. And we're studying out of the book, Last Day Events. And Lee, what chapter will we be on? Um, <clears throat> out of the book, Last Day Events, we're going to be on chapter 10. And it's the little time of trouble, which is what we we're mentioning today in our study. The little time of trouble <coughs> is a time of trouble before probation closes. So that'll be very interesting to find out what we have coming our direction in the little time of trouble. Everyone's welcome to participate and please read ahead so you can join in the discussion with us. Okay. And uh, we will be back on the same time next Sabbath at 2.30. We went a little bit over today, but um, that's fine. The discussion was great. And um, so please join us next week uh, for the discipleship class reading from Last Day Events Chapter 10. And if you get a chance to read that throughout the week, that would be great. Um, if you don't know where to find it or get, get your hands on a copy of it, you can, uh, if you have a smartphone, you can download uh, the EG, EGW, uh, which is Ellen G. White, uh, the app, and uh, you can access all of her books through that app. All right. Um, Percy, would you pray us out? Sure. Father God, Lord, what an awesome time. It has been to spend studying your word, Lord, and getting a, an assurance of where we are as it relates to our relationship with you, knowing that if we come into a true, full relationship with you, there's nothing that can come our way that will destroy us or, or, or push us down. So, Father, we ask that you would increase our faith, increase our, 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 our study, increase our prayer. Most importantly, Lord, increase our communication with thee. We thank you, Father, for those who have presented the discipleship class, Lord, and we ask for those who are on on the call and on the the lines, Lord, that they will have received the blessing and that they will have meat, Lord, that will start their week fresh and so that they will study more. In precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you guys for participating today. Everybody online, everybody on Facebook, everybody uh, actually that joined in the Zoom chat. If you would like to join in the Zoom chat, um, you can just check our Facebook page next week and it'll give you the information to actually dial in or join the Zoom chat. 
Uh, we appreciate everyone and everyone's comments today. And we will see you again next week. Amen. All right, be blessed. Stay safe. Be blessed. Be blessed. All right. Be blessed.